Welcome to Total Health Transformation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Danny Scarhill. Dr. Danny is a doctor of chiropractic, an author, speaker, and trainer. And on the THT Podcast, he interviews other health experts to glean further insights that will help you achieve total health transformation. Welcome to the Total Health Transformation Podcast. My name's Dr. Danny Scarhill, the founder of dannyscarhill.com, the author of Total Health Transformation, the proven system to unlock limitless energy, motivation, and health, and the creator of the Total Health Transformation programs. Let's get straight into it on this episode. Welcome to this episode of the THC Podcast. We've got another fantastic guest for you today. Rachel Ackworth is an energy medicine practitioner working with clients from all over the world, as far away as Australia, in London's Harley Street, and from her clinics in Sussex and Somerset. She regards the human experience as endlessly fascinating. She likens much of her work to being a detective, deeply listening, not just with her ears, to uncover the root causes of clients' allergies, traumas, or limiting beliefs within them thus facilitating deep healing and transformation in their lives. Rachel works with clients of all ages. Currently, her youngest client has not yet been born, and her eldest is 84. Without further ado, welcome to the THT Podcast. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much, Danny. Good stuff. So tell us a little bit about your journey. It sounds like a very interesting journey. Where did it all start for you? Uh, Well, it started when I was three and I decided that I was going to be a nurse when I grew up and I was quite determined about this and right through my childhood, that was absolutely clear. And actually that is what I did. I followed in the footsteps of a grandmother, three aunts who'd all been nurses and even went to the same training hospital in London as as them, the Middlesex, which alas, no longer exists. But um, that's where it all started. And I worked, when I qualified, I worked in the oncology unit, which is um, for cancer patients, and I loved it. I found that that of all the different wards that I'd been on was the place where the nursing input was so significant to the patients and the family's uh, outcome or experience of being ill. And so it felt like an amazing place to be nursing. Excellent. And uh, where did that lead on to the work that you do now? <laughs> it's a bit different now, isn't it? I couldn't do it now. I, uh, while I was nursing, I was sent off to the Bristol Cancer Centre um, for some sort of um, professional development courses. And for those people who listening who don't know, it's now, I think, called the Penny Brown Cancer Centre or Penny Brown Centre. It's in Bristol still. And it was a centre that was set up very much to bring complementary or alternative therapy support to people with cancer and their families. So on that, um, the first course I went on there was called Therapeutic Touch. And I thought, lovely, this will be all about massage. I I, I like massage, this will be good. And I think we were sent some pre-course reading and I thought, oh no, this is not quite what I thought it was. It was really about aura. Uh, aura massage, listening with our hands to the, the person's aura and picking up information and then helping to shift stuff and even to sort of uh, open to something and channel some some therapeutic energy into, into our clients. So I did this and I loved it. And I found that 
I could do it. And in fact, the whole premise of this particular therapy was set up by a nurse in the States, um, is that we all have this capacity to, if you like, heal with our hands. And most of us have shut off from that um, knowledge, that sort of ancient wisdom that we would have instinctively known and done and seen other people doing and using. So nurses all over the world are now trained in, in this therapeutic touch, as it, it's called TT, therapeutic touch. Uh, people use it with animals as well. And I used it a lot with horses just sort of through my life. Um, and yeah, so that was my first experience really of energy medicine. I took it back to the ward where I was still working as a staff nurse. And I remember working particularly with clients who, patients as we call them, obviously, um, who were struggling with pain and, and simply we couldn't do it with medication. We couldn't help them really get rid of their pain. And one particular person with bone cancer who was in a lot of distress. And, and I said, look, I've got this weird, funny technique thing. Can I, can I try it on you? And um, I did. And they said to me, this is like having my pain ironed away. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing. And it's, it stayed with me always. You know, that was so powerful for me to realize that we have the capacity to do this. Um, for people, yeah. But from then, Danny, I, I did leave nursing. I went off to university. I read theology at university, carried on nursing in my holidays to fund myself through. I went to Switzerland and nursed out there for a year, um, which I didn't much enjoy. I then came back, um, did some more theology. And all through this, this little thread running through that I haven't even mentioned yet was music. And so, I surrendered to this, this love that I'd always said, no, no, I'm not going to be a musician. I'm a, I, I, I want, you know, music's my love. I gave in and I went and trained to be a singer. And so I worked for some years as a professional singer, but always in the back was this sort of therapy bit of me. And so I did actually, uh, during my, my singing training and work, discover various amazing um, tools such as Brain Gym, which is educational kinesiology, that's its posh name, where, um, which is a technique of movements really that are used, inspired by neuroscience, yoga, um, it's a beautiful synthesis. And um, it was originally for children with learning challenges. And we were using it as singers to enhance our performance, to enhance our breathing, to, to open the resonances, all sorts. So I've worked for some time with that and with various other um, therapeutic uh, aspects to singing. And then I met a girl, this is really where it gets interesting for you, I guess, is I met someone at a party and she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a singer. And she said, oh, you're so lucky to be a singer. I'd always wanted to have singing lessons. I said, well, it's not too late. And she said, um, oh, amazing. And we were talking a bit more and I said, well, what, what do you do? And she said, well, I used to be a doctor, but now I do this allergy therapy thing called Nate, N-A-E-T. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Can you cure hay fever? Because I had hay fever at the time. And um, she said, oh yes. I said, really? And she said, yeah. Anyway, long story short, she gave me some, we did a swap. She gave me some Nate sessions. I gave her some singing lessons. We were happy all round and my hay fever has gone. Awesome. 
I had no idea you you were a singer. What uh, what sort of stuff did you used to sing, and hopefully still sing? Yeah, not as much as as I'd love to. Um, I sang. I was a classically trained concert singer, so I sang mostly solo work. I did for big choral societies all over the country, sometimes abroad, singing their solo parts. So if someone was doing the Messiah at Christmas, I'd be wheeled in to sing the solo part. And I also did a lot of professional choir work in London and actually all over the place. I did some, had some quite exciting trips to far-flung places to sing in, at weddings for very, very wealthy people who could afford to send a whole choir out there. <laughs> so it was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Cool. Excellent stuff. So tell us a little bit more about Nate. I mean, obviously, I know a, a fair bit about her through the work that we've done together. But for those that have never heard of her and um, dive a bit deeper into that and tell us a bit more about that, please, Rachel. Sure. So Nate, the, the letters stand for Nambudrapad. Uh, Nambudrapad's allergy elimination technique. Devi Nambudrapad was a chiropractor and acupuncturist in the States. She's still alive today. She's quite old now, but she's alive. And she discovered this um, way of basically balancing the body so that instead of overreacting to substances or events or people, um, we could have a more balanced and therefore uh, be weller in ourselves. So it started out very much as, an, as a kind of allergy um, therapy. And most people who come to me for Nate come usually at a pretty desperate stage of their sort of exploration of, of alternatives. They probably exhausted the Western medical approach and not, not found it worked. And they've either been told there's nothing they can do. They just have to lump it and live with it. Um, so people, yes, people you often start coming by coming for a very obvious, you know, food allergy or a hay fever like mine or um, a skin reaction, all sorts of things like that. What was amazing when I experienced it for myself and then started looking at it was that I realized that um, the word allergy is used with very big inverted commas around it because it really does mean everything from an anaphylactic type of allergy where someone would collapse even it, and not even eating, but you know, being in, in the close proximity to a peanut, say. Um, and uh, right down to an allergy where it's something that somebody's completely blissfully unaware that actually they're eating something every day and feeling not great, but hadn't put two and two together or a person-to-person -person allergy where you actually become allergic, in inverted commas, to someone close to you or a teacher at school if you're a child or, you know, your boss, <laughs> your child, <laughs> your husband or wife or your partner. <laughs> so it's quite a broad sort of sense of the word allergy. And the way that it works in person is that you, um, we use muscle testing, kinesiology, to test for what makes us weak and the muscle will literally go weak when we test. And then we use a spinal, very gentle spinal stimulation while the person either holds the thought, if it's a, a thought of something or an event, or a vial, a little bottle, um, which is in, imprinted with the electromagnetic imprint of an item. It might be an item of um, food or um, could be any part of the body, an organ of the body, a body, um, fluid, all sorts of kind of, I mean, I've got thousands of these little vials of all sorts of different things. And 
it is like being a detective. We have to really know how to ask the right questions. And we do it with a kind of quite a medical hat on, at least often. We need to know how the disease process, if, if, if they're presenting with a disease, what's involved, which parts of the organs are doing what, which cells are involved, and check all those different aspects. Yeah, that's fascinating all the because I've, I've seen a load of those different files in the, the work that we've done together and we've done a little bit of uh, remote work as well haven't we since the the world shut down earlier this year we how, have. Does the, how does the remote aspect of the work that you do work I know it's probably quite complex to describe but what's your take on that well in a way it is and in a way it's not and um it's not uh, officially NATE, um, we're not allowed to to do something called NATE remotely anymore. I think in the past, perhaps people did. I discovered, because I had this client who went back to Australia some years ago now, um, that I could actually muscle test without her there, which sounds weird, <clears throat> but I'm basically tuning in to her energy field. Um, and it doesn't actually matter whether she's in the room next door or on a screen like we are now facing each other on Zoom, or um, miles and miles and miles away, I could still tune in and use my body to measure what was affecting her. So I could ask questions, is it something she's eating? And I'll get a strong hand, which innate means a no. Is it something that she's touched? Yes, you know, and then I'd, we'd sort of explore what it could be. So um, since lockdown, I realized this was something, this was a tool that I really needed to develop. And I have, and it's been really exciting. And I've been very blessed to have people like you and others who've been brave enough to go, okay, then let's try this. Sounds a bit off the wall, but um, I've had some really great results with it. Um, it's almost in some ways more satisfying, I think, and more efficient than meeting in person, um, weirdly. So quantum physics, that's really what it comes down to. Absolutely. We're all energy, aren't we? So yeah, that's, why, that's largely why uh, working remotely can have a big impact as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. So, you know, over the years when you've been looking to improve your health, because us, us practitioners are always trying to strive to the next level of health and just getting better and better. What were some of the lessons you've learned over the years um, and any, any failures, failures you learned for yourself as to what worked and what didn't work in terms of becoming healthier? Yeah, that's a really good question, Danny. I think it is something that when we're in working in this field, we do become aware that we, we're never going to get there. We're never, well, this is my feeling anyway. I, I don't feel as if I'm ever going to go, right, great, I've done that. Now I'm sorted. There are, will always be things that come up and sometimes quite loudly at us and sometimes just nudging us. And I say to clients too that I think, there's this, um, perhaps it's a British thing, perhaps it's just a human thing that we as adults particularly try to hold everything down and kind of stuff it down because it's not uh, polite to be angry or to be sad or, you know, we have to kind of hold it all in and that the pressure of doing that is, is massive and will have an impact on our physical health as well as our emotional health. And at the same time, for me, the, the, the challenge is to also recognize that we're not going to the, the extreme of saying well it's my own fault that i've you know got something terribly wrong with me i must have done it to myself uh so we have to tread quite a fine line with ourselves and with other people and um 
So for me, I think the biggest lesson is about finding compassion for, for myself, self-compassion, and also to help to facilitate other people to find that for themselves and also for the people in their lives. Um, and to know that there is no one beautiful golden thing that's going to sort out everybody's problems forever. And then we can tick that box. It's, it just isn't like that. And, you know, there are times when I've got very excited about a new therapy that I've encountered, experienced, learned, whatever. And I think, oh, I'm going to forget whatever the last thing was. I'll forget Nate. I'm just going to do Matrix. And then I get a situation where I try and try and try to work on something. Nothing, nothing worked. I had a, this is interesting. I had a, an experience with a, a big shock and it really was a shock. And I was, I was just devastated by this kind of event. And, and I tried hard. I did a bit of, you know, tapping. And, and then I got various people to help me because I developed this sensation of a, of a ball, like a, an apple, in the, uh, the size of an apple in my throat. Nothing could get rid of it. I tapped. I did all sorts of things. And it went on for probably six weeks. And I, you know, I, I knew it was emotional. I could test myself with me. I knew it was emotional stuff. I couldn't shift it. And it was just at the point when I was thinking, Nate, no, that can, that can go on the back burner. And I went to my Nate practitioner. And in one session, it was gone. And I woke up the next morning and I said to my husband, oh, my God, it's gone. It's completely gone. And, you know, so for me, the reminders, uh, are not the, really the failures exactly, because I think failure is quite a strong word. It's like almost the challenges that, we, that, we, that come up are gifts often, sounds a bit pious and it's you know I, I don't mean that in a kind of um uh, superficial way but I think there are gifts in in our struggles that you know we we maybe it makes us search a little bit harder um for something that is going to be a good useful tool and for me the lesson is that everyone's different and every session that I when I work with clients is going to be different. And I'm always, always trying to listen in this deep listening that I talked about, kind of with the whole of me to their energy, to know I might use muscle testing. I might use a pendulum to just really tune in. What do they need? Where are we going with this? And, and I'm finding that I can weave the therapies together in a very satisfying way. I think hope satisfying for my clients as well. But you know, where, where there is a beauty about knowing that you can pull in different strands. Nice. I like that. I loved what you said about compassion, both for self and for others. Um, I think uh, a lot of people in the world right now could, uh, could do with heeding that lesson, couldn't they, with what's going on in the world? Absolutely. You touched a little bit on um, matrix re-imprinting and tapping um, I think most people have probably heard of tapping before. I would imagine the people that listen to this podcast and watch it regularly. Tell us a bit about matrix re-imprinting and how you integrate that with EFT as well. Yeah. Yes, I, I listened to Claire's lovely, lovely talk on your podcast of on EFT. I thought, wow. <laughs> um, so matrix takes EFT to a kind of another level. And EFT is incred an incredibly powerful tool on its own. We, we know that. And as, as Claire said, there are now quite a, substan there's a substantial body of studies showing that, that the effectiveness, it, it outstrips 
uh, cognitive behavior therapy. It, it really is an amazing tool for people. And as she mentioned, it is a great tool because it is also a self-help tool and people can do it at home on their own, not having to find hundreds of pounds to, to go regularly for sessions or, or whatever with a, with a practitioner. But Clary also said that working with a practitioner, you can get to a, a deeper level. You can get quicker, you know, deeper results. Matrix is interesting because where Matrix goes, uh, it's, it's a particular way of looking at not just past events, sometimes uh, future events even, but we, we step into a memory or a possibility if it's future, a memory. And with, we, we tap to begin with to just tune the person in and they might say, you know, I've got this problem with, um, I don't know, I, I, can't, I can't go on stage to, to sing or whatever it is. And we'll tune them in and we, we can usually find through tapping because we're kind of tuning into to subconscious things, not just our conscious thinking brain, which said, oh, well, it's just because I'm being stupid. You know. Um, we can tune into memories and, and what we do is we see the younger, let's say, child of this person, say it was me, I would see my, my younger self and we call that your echo um, and it's an energetic consciousness hologram is what that stands for, echo, but echo is actually quite a nice idea as well, it is your echo. And your echo, we have thousands of echoes that stretch back and stretch maybe forwards into the future. We go and we introduce ourselves to that echo. And we say, I'm Rachel, if I was doing that, I'm Rachel from the future. I'm your grown up self. And we tap on this little girl. She might be three, she might be seven, she might be any age. We can dot around, it's not a linear thing. And we tap on her, we say, we've got this great tool. We're gonna, I'm gonna tap on you, is that okay? We ask permission. And usually they're a bit, to begin with a bit surprised, like, oh, okay, I'm not sure, but uh, fair enough, we tap. What's going on? We find out what's going on in that scene. We might freeze everybody else if there are other people in the room. And we might discover that she's just had an experience and she's feeling really upset. And it might be something really small. She might've just shown a picture to her dad and her dad might've said, I'm just, I'm just too busy, go away. And she's taken that as an if you like, an insult on her capacity to draw well. She's like, oh, oh, it's rubbish. I'm rubbish. I'm not good enough. Daddy doesn't love me. She might have made all sorts of assumptions from that tiny little thing, which doesn't even seem like a significant trauma. It's not like something terrible, an accident. It might be an accident. Um, so we tap on her. We might bring dad into the picture. We might tap on dad. And dad would say, and then we ask them to have a conversation. We invite them. Or we might help if they're very little. And maybe dad would say, oh my goodness, I had no idea that that was how you were feeling. I, I was just that I was really busy because I was on a phone call or let me see this picture properly now. So there's this possibility to kind of recreate that memory. Once we've tapped all the kind of stress, the, the, the anxiety, the grief, whatever it is, down a little bit. So this beautiful effect of just plain EFT tapping, but we're in this lovely memory doing it on our echo. And it's, it's a very, I don't know if that sounds, if that makes sense, I've kind of, it's a potted version of what we, what we might do, but it's an amazing tool. We can go to our birth. If you've given birth, we can go to your giving birth. We can rerun it. We can tap out all the trauma of the birth if it was a terrible birth and you felt you know, traumatized by it or if your baby was traumatized and we rerun it and we re-imprint them. This is where the re-imprinting bit comes in. We re-imprint a new 
understanding and a new decision. Uh, you know, so from the belief, oh, well, I was no good. I'm not good enough. That we might then carry through our lives. I'm not good enough. We re-imprint this new belief. Oh, it's okay. It's safe for me to be born, say, if we were doing birth. Or, you know, it's, I'm, I'm loved. I'm lovable. These really key kind of beliefs that we form about ourselves, and often they're so deeply in our subconscious, we don't know they're there. But matrix can take us there. And it's very gentle and very safe. So we're not ever risking re-traumatizing. We're not taking the person in and them having to become that little three-year-old. We stay on the outside. And what's beautiful about that, I think, is that the client becomes their own therapist with you know, the help and guidance from a, from a practitioner. So I think that's incredibly empowering and exciting to be able to just change these things. And what's amazing is it has a ripple effect on everybody around them. Uh, and, and there is a sense that you can just sort of send this healing in all directions. That's fascinating. I love that. It reminds me of a phrase that I heard. I forget who said it years ago. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. So it's basically what I was hearing then is you can, within, within, within reason, rewriting history almost or rewriting your own personal history. Yeah. That's uh, fantastic. You're right. And it, it is within reason. We do say, you know, birth may be a part. We can't bring somebody back to life that's died. You know, we, we can't. Now, we, what we can do is go and visit them in what we call the light matrix. So if you like, depending on your belief about what happens when we die, we can go and actually talk to somebody who's died in this same way with echoes and so on, um, which can be incredible, beautiful. Um, but we can't change you know, brutal, brutal realities, you know, a car crash probably still going to happen. Interestingly, actually, I, I did some work um, with my with my brother and he has he has given me permission to talk about it. He he's been struggling for some time, maybe a year even with a very, very sore shoulder. And I said to him, well, you know, we could do some work on this. We could look at this where it's come from. We, we were doing some tapping well, with a whole lot of anger in there. And then he went back to this memory of being in a car crash. He said, and it, you can duck in and out. And he said, well, that's a bit weird because it was my other shoulder I hurt in the car crash. You know, I didn't hurt this shoulder in it. It was years ago. I said, well, let's just explore it. Let's stay in that matrix, keep tapping. And he said, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to die. So we just actually tapped down all the trauma out of that memory. And we then actually did rerun the car crash. And we imagined the car crash still happening, but instead of it being a violent, unexpected thing, it was now, we, we knew it was gonna happen. We knew the car was gonna turn over, but we turned it over into a pile of feathers rather than a, it was a soft landing. You know, we kind of went with it. And amazingly, and I have to say, I was amazed too, because it sometimes does happen and it's exciting when it does. The next morning he said to me, my shoulder's completely fine now. Brilliant. So we can work on these very physical problems. It's not always that people are coming because they've got something emotional that they're struggling with. It's that too, but it can be something very physical and seemingly unrelated. That can Absolutely. be healed. Good stuff. Touching on that point, emotions and how our emotions can affect our stress levels and the links between stress levels and the immune system from your perspective as a practitioner what have you noticed in terms of people's emotional state 
their stress levels and then whether they get sick or not, which is obviously very topical right now in the world. Oh, too right, isn't it just? Um, well, of course, I think most people probably listening to your podcast will know that there is such a strong link between stress and dis-ease. Um, and we don't make good decisions when we're in stress. We can't make good decisions because actually what we're doing is we're running away from the lion. Yeah. And so we've gone into stress. We, we're designed to have that stress response that gives us the of adrenaline and the whoosh we can run fast to, to survive. And we're also conditioned, evolutionary conditioned to be expecting a tiger to be in that bush. So we're on the we're on alert, if you like, to to you know, and if we weren't, well, we could get eaten up. So it was kind of critical. We had to have that negativity bias, that expectation something's going to go wrong and I need to be able to run. And the trouble really comes when that gets out of balance, when it becomes a chronic stress. You know, we can all we can all have a moment of stress and then feel we've recovered afterwards. But it's the kind of chronic stress that we're in now globally is really significant I, I believe, for people's immune function. And that's kind of critical right now. Uh, so for me, it's doubly important at the moment that we don't push down these feelings that we have of, <gasps> um, but that we have a safe way of expressing them. And actually the beauty of tapping is that we, we do express the negative stuff. We don't, we don't ignore it and say, no, no, I must be positive. Um, we, we don't use our will to push it down and hold it down. We allow it and it can be gentle and it can be very much a process, but we allow it to, to surface to, so that we voice it, we honour it, and then we can allow it to be moved on and we, we heal from it. On that note of stress, is there a, a particular relaxation technique that you'd like to take the viewers and the listeners through to, to help them chill out and relax? Um, well, not exactly, but I, can I just mention one other passion of mine, Danny? Yeah, sure. It's, um, it's about how we make sure that our environment supports us. Because we've talked a lot about people's emotions and working in these sort of energy balancing things, whether it's Nate with me doing something to somebody or whether it's the tapping and the person doing it themselves. And I think it's really important that we also pay attention to our environment, and particularly today, the uh, toxins that are in our environment, and I'm thinking particularly radio radiation. And I think it is significant that we don't forget that we are whole beings. We are a physical body, and we are an emotional, physical, spiritual. You know, we're we're a, we're a whole being. And so, the thing I just wanted to share with you very quickly, if that's all right, is these is this beautiful book. I'm going to hold it up. I don't know if you can see it well enough. Yes. And it's we've we've. I know you and I have done a little bit of work with these. These are these amazing sort of squiggly things that look quite sort of surreal, um, but they are the most amazing energy balancing tools that we can introduce into our environment to help us um, to deal with the Wi-Fi that is now ubiquitous, pretty much. We can do things like turning off our Wi-Fi at night to support our bodies to have good restful sleep, 
not sleeping with our phones by our beds, you know, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, that's just my little kind of, uh, but that was how I got into bio, this thing called biogeometry, was that actually at the time I was kind of battling, this was probably six or seven years ago, to keep Wi-Fi out of schools because it is known to be highly toxic to our brains and to our bodies. And um, of course now it's, it is everywhere. I couldn't fight anymore. And I knew that I had to do something that wasn't fighting it. And this amazing Egyptian architect works with spaces and shapes and has found a way to um, really harmonize um, all the, the electromagnetic radiation that's all around us. So it's something, a fascinating area that I think is ripe for, you know, exploration. And, and it is something that every one of your listeners could explore a little bit and do for themselves. You know, you don't need to have it done to you. Uh, you can just go and start using and exploring. That's fascinating. Yeah, I remember we spoke about that briefly in the, a few months back, I think it was. It is a fascinating subject, that. So in terms I, of... Sorry. Sorry. You, go on. I do have a little prayer that I was going to just offer everybody as a... Uh, as a relaxation so it's not quite a relaxation exercise but it's a prayer from someone called Tosha Silva she's an American I can't remember if I've told you about her you did mention it last time we spoke yeah go on let, let's hear this um, this, this prayer. lovely prayer and it's uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what you believe in in terms of God or energy or source this is how it goes divine beloved Allow me to give with complete ease and abundance, knowing that you are the unlimited source of all. Let me be an easy, open conduit for your prosperity. Let me trust that all my own needs are always met in amazing ways and that it's safe to give as my heart guides. And equally, let me feel wildly open to receiving. May I know my own value, beauty and worthiness without question. Let me allow others the supreme pleasure of giving to me. May I feel worthy to receive in every possible way. Change me into one who can fully love, forgive, and accept myself, so I may carry your light without restriction. Let everything that needs to go, go. Let everything that needs to come, come. I am utterly your own. You are me, I am you, we are one. All is well. I love that. That's so calming and so peaceful, isn't it? Isn't it? Beautiful. Beautiful. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing that. I uh, I really enjoyed that, and I know the viewers and listeners will too. Thank you so much, Danny. It's been great fun. Good stuff. So for those people that want to reach out to you and connect with you, where's the best place for them to find you online, like your Facebook and website, etc. maybe? Uh, as you know, Danny, one of my failures <laughs> so far <laughs> is my uh, technophobia. So, in fact, 
I don't yet have a website. I haven't felt the lack of it, but it would be lovely and one day I shall. But I do have an email that people are very, very welcome, of course, to reach out to me through. And it's very simple. It's Rachel, E-L, at Rachel Ackworth, A-C-W-O-R-T-H, dot com. Excellent. Good stuff. Thank you for taking out some time of your really busy schedule to spend with us on the THT podcast, Rachel. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Danny. I've really loved it. You're most welcome. We'll talk soon. Great. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the THT podcast with myself, Dr. Danny Scarhill. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or any one of the other outlets where we stream. Like us on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash Total Health Transformation. You can also find more information about myself on my website, dannyscarhill.com, where you'll find lots of fantastic information and some free products for you as well. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. All the best. You've been listening to Dr. Danny Scarhill on the Total Health Transformation podcast helping you to eat, move and think on purpose. See you on our next episode.